0: Reforming society, repairing your mentality, restoring your life. This is The Revolutionized Mind. Thank you for tuning in to episode 14 of The Revolutionized Mind. I used to be very skeptical of spirituality and mindfulness stuff just because I didn't understand it, I wasn't patient enough to try any of it, and... I just didn't want to be associated with it because there was this negative connotation attached to it that I was like, fuck no, I'm not some spiritual guru. And I mean, this is very stereotypical and judgmental, but when I think of spirituality and meditation, I immediately picture a Buddhist sitting on a mat outside, legs crossed, hands in that little circle position, whatever that's called. I'm sorry, I know there's a name for it. But something that I'm coming to understand and that is incredibly emphasized by today's guest is that spirituality is individual and how one person practices mindfulness or meditation or any other spiritual practice for that matter does not have to look like another person's. And that's because what feels good for one person might not feel good for another. And we all have these unique experiences in life that have to be dealt with differently or addressed differently. And they all impact us in different ways. So first things first, it's not going to look the same. And another thing that I find super interesting are those fundamental beliefs that we introduced back in episode five with Summer. And I think today's episode does a really great job of emphasizing those beliefs and demonstrating how they can be applied to our lives, to real life situations, And I think those perspectives and this understanding of what spirituality can really bring us, if you're open enough to it, is a pretty interesting conversation to have, not only with other people, but with yourself. So I really hope you learned something from Daniel. I know I sure did. Maybe it'll even inspire you to try something new, get in touch with yourself, become the most authentic version of yourself, and all these other great things that we are trying so hard to promote. Enjoy. Today I'm here with a spiritual samurai himself, Daniel Shesterinen. He has so much knowledge and passion about wellness and lifestyle that I am so excited to learn more about. When I was talking to him the other day, I kind of put him on the spot by asking him to describe why he does what he does in one or two words, and he answered with self-improvement and authenticity. I think that this is a great way to introduce him and this episode because these are two things that I believe everyone can benefit from. Would you like to just tell us a bit about yourself before we begin?
1: sure. Um, first of all, I would like to say thank you so, so much for having me on. Um, I think it is absolutely amazing what you're doing here in creating such a positive and welcoming platform, uh, to discuss these personal and, uh, sometimes troubling issues. So I think that's awesome. So my name is Daniel, as you have mentioned. Uh, I'm 23 years old. I was a, and still am a student at Western. I'm studying bioarchaeology. Um, I was introduced to spirituality at a very young age uh, thanks to my parents being quite involved in it like if you look at my dad's uh, business card it says osteopath physio and then shaman so (laughs) i grew up around a lot of these concepts around a lot of these ideas not really understanding them and only really recently since kind of the i guess COVID era started, have I really uh, taken a chance to opening my mind up to these ideas and seeing how they can be used in wellness, in self-improvement, and in um, kind of bettering yourself.
0: That's awesome. Um, So as a start, can you just explain what spirituality means to you? And I'm putting spirituality in air quotations here. Big quotation (laughs) marks, The practice typically has a negative connotation associated with it, but I think that uncovering and revealing these foundational beliefs are super important in bringing other people into the discussion.
1: Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, So first, to define spirituality, I think we need to kind of stop and define what spirit is or what most people view as spirit. Um, I feel like my personal definition of it takes a lot of inspiration from traditional definitions, but it also strives a little bit away from that. The way that I view the spirit is it is the person's or being's internal drive to move forward, to grow, to overcome, to evolve, and to adapt, and to kind of keep itself persevering and going forward. Whether you perceive that in the form of a soul, in the form of a spirit, in the form of energy passing from one state to another, in the form of just a collection of conscious experience and ideas, that core driving force still exists. And so that is what I believe is the spirit. So spirituality, then, is the set of beliefs and ideas which allow people to understand their spirit, grow their spirit, and ensure overall wellness by focusing on how the spirit interacts with the body and interacts with the mind, as well as spirituality was used by many cultures as their sort of system of frameworks to understand the world, to understand themselves within the world to understand how they can relate to it and how they can understand it.
0: Awesome. And You kind of touched on it there at the end, but just regarding the historical and cultural beliefs, um, how has spirituality been typically practiced and maybe why or where have these misconceptions come from?
1: Um, so a lot of these misconceptions, I think, come just with the fact that a lot of these ideas are very old. They've been written down in a lot of different languages and a lot of different texts and a lot of different styles by a lot of different people throughout the ages. So obviously, I think people will take the foundational fundamental idea behind the concept and they will layer on their own interpretations and their own understandings, which I think is very good because it makes the idea more adaptable to the individual, but it can also over time skew the ideas. So for example, start at a very common idea within spirituality, which is kind of the understanding of being, of energy, of identity, and of the self. So in Hindu cultures, this is called the Atman, or pretty much the universal self, the universal soul, the universal existence and understanding of the world. So concepts of Atman uh, speak of you understanding and connecting with this universal energy. This universal energy can be simplified simply as things transitioning from one state to the next, energy going from one place to the next, from one phase to the next this energy ties into the concept of being where the term can almost be interchangeable so as the mind goes about its day throughout our interactions with the world we have various ideas we have various ideas about ourselves we have various ideas about the interactions we're going to have we have various ideas and perspectives that we are attached to that kind of guide our way through our interactions with the world what this concept of being and connecting to being kind of entails is removing that attachment and removing those ideas of I am this, I am that, I am X, Y, Z. What that allows you to do is it simplifies the problems a lot in the sense that you could just view yourself as a being experiencing the situation, having task X, Y, Z to accomplish and moving on to the next step. Instead of identifying with the issues, identifying with the problems, identifying with all the various different obstacles that may come in your way. The way that I kind of boil this idea down for myself is into one line is I am, therefore I can. So if you are acting out of a place of being and out of a place of being identified with yourself and with that energetic flow and not the obstacles and the labels and the ideas that come up to block it, it becomes a lot easier to accomplish those tasks. Uh, another cultural framework that I really enjoy studying and I really enjoy getting some beneficial ideas from are the Toltec cultures and the Toltec beliefs on spirituality and identity. Toltec culture is pretty much the precursor to the Aztec culture in Mexico. And they had a very interesting perspective on our relationship with emotional energy and ourselves. Um This perspective goes by the name of Actions of the Spiritual Warrior, which is kind of where my name, Spiritual Samurai, comes from. Um, their focus can be summarized into a few points, changing reaction into action, changing impulse to agency, changing negativity to positivity and an underlying perspective that every single person, every single individual is fighting their own battles, is fighting their own trials, tribulations. And in that battle, there are multiple aspects. There's the mind, there's the body and there's the spirit. So. Our obligations as spiritual warriors to each other is to do whatever we can, obviously without detriment to ourselves, to help others develop their mind, body, and spirit. So that is kind of that was one of the ideas that really kick-started my journey into spirituality because of the benefits that I saw in having these perspectives of kind of. I don't want to relate it to toxic positivity because it's its not just saying, oh, you have to be positive and no negative energy, just good vibes and all that. It's not like that at all. It's realistically accepting that people have their struggles and the world is a much better place if we do everything in our power to keep our heads up, stay positive and work through and help each other through those struggles. So the Toltecs, their rulebook, so to speak, they only had four simple rules which you could follow to kind of perpetuate this spiritual warrior lifestyle. Be impeccable with your word. Um, Although there's a saying, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is rather inaccurate. So you have to use your word constantly to build people up rather than break them down. Because if you can think about it, just one negative comment from say five years ago might still be stuck in your head because that's simply the impact that words have. So be positive, be constructive with your words. The second, uh, the second rule is don't take anything personally. Why don't take anything personally? Because taking things personally from their perspective created a delusional cause and effect perspective where by taking things personally and by taking things personally too often, you perceive yourself as the center and as the most important point. Meaning you may view yourself as the cause of everything wrong in the situation. It puts too much pressure on you and it creates the possibility for you to misinterpret the situation. The third rule, don't make any assumption. Again, you will never be able to truly understand the perspective of the other, the struggles of the other. You won't understand their entire worldview. So that is why you shouldn't try your best to gauge a situation without making assumptions about the other person's perspective, about the other person's worldview, because those assumptions just lead you down a path of misunderstanding and miscommunication. And finally, the role that I like the absolute most is to do your best and to push everyone else to do their best under the understanding that your best is always changing because of the fact that life circumstances happen. X, Y, Z can happen. Um, you can slip and hurt your ankle. You're obviously not going to be functioning at your best 100%. But if you have a concept that you always push yourself to do your best, regardless what that adjustment may be, then obviously there's no... There's no self-condemnation or self-destruction in thoughts of I didn't do enough or you know it's, it's it's accepting that there are times that you can't do as much right And that's okay because there are also times that you can do well. So yeah that's the the Toltec science.
0: I think that was really interesting and especially how you're like relating that back to typical everyday stuff. I think it's especially important for COVID right now, like accepting the things that we can't control, especially at the beginning of it all when we didn't really know what was going on or what to do. Oh. I think a lot of us kind of took it personally for God knows what yeah. reason. Yeah, but... the world kind of just got put on pause, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But yeah, understanding that we can't control everything. And sometimes we just have to make adjustments in order to live our best lives, whatever that means for mm-hmm. us.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. And there's no shame in making those adjustments. There's no need to try to headbutt your way through a closed door when there's an open one, you know, right beside it.
0: Sometimes you just have to look a little bit harder to get to that light or
1: whatever door you're looking for. mm -hmm. Sometimes you got to look in the places you least want to look. Absolutely. Um, another culture that I really enjoy studying and I, I really enjoy getting a lot of my ideas from is Buddhism, and in particularly the Japanese variant of Zen Buddhism, which takes a lot of influence from Chinese Taoism as well. Zen Buddhism in particular is a very interesting case because it does not identify itself as an ideology, so to speak. It is more so, quite literally, a set of principles with which to go about your life and to perceive the world in the most realistically positive perspective possible. So a lot of the principles and practices of Zen Buddhism act very similarly to what we would, in our current view, perceive as therapy, where these perspectives and these ideas, such as detachment, um, acceptance of change, embracing the fact that suffering exists and is a sadly permeating um, aspect of life, embracing the impermanence of things. A lot of these ideas that Buddhists follow and that Buddhists identify with it was their system to restructure their perspectives and their mind maps to better interact with the world and to have a better relationship with it. For example, attachment. Um, that is a very, very common theme in Buddhism that I think is also rather misunderstood because Buddhists will identify the issues with, say, attachments to pleasure, attachment to um, success, attachment to money. But I don't think that these things should be entirely disregarded. I think that they could be very well utilized as motivators, as incentives, as ways to get yourself out of a slump, to get yourself going when you, say, have no motivation. But the issue that Buddhism tackles is the fact that all of these things aren't permanent. These things will change. There is no position that you can have that will last forever. There is no, your lifetime will sadly not last forever. And the way that Buddhists kind of deal with these issues and deal with these questions is through acceptance and through embracing that this is the situation that you have. These are the cards that you were dealt. Here you go. Treat it objectively and do the utmost that you can with the hand that you have.
0: I think it's really interesting, especially to hear it in the way that you're saying, I think makes it more like applicable and realistic to our everyday lives, which is mm-hmm. a good perspective to have. That's
1: the thing that I'm struggling with the most, actually, is taking these ideas which existed, in a time when problems were famine, your family dying because of a disease, um, there's a tiger outside of your house. <laughs> the, the problems that these ancient peoples dealt with are very, very different than the problems that we deal with today. But I think the lessons that can be learned from them are incredibly applicable.
0: I think what you said a little bit earlier about the lessons, like the underlying lessons of no matter what the ancient people or what we're facing today, At the core, I think we do face similar battles, although the situation is different. Um, I think that's just really important to emphasize because no matter who the individual is or what they're going through, I think every struggle is valid. They might just be in different ways and people deal with them in different ways too.
1: Definitely. And um, regardless what way you have for dealing with it, as long as it's healthy, as long as you are benefiting yourself, as long as you're growing from it. Then all power to you. That kind of ties into a, a point that you had uh, brought up about, like the, the witchy rituals and stuff. So my comment on ideas such as those are is that you're an athlete, right? So yeah. you've experienced you've you've experienced the benefit potentially of having a pregame ritual or a game day ritual or X Y Z ritual to get yourself in the right mindset, in the right framework, in the perfect mindset to perform. If someone else's day-to-day ritual happens to be the um, more extreme side of spirituality where a lot of concepts get shifted around and a lot of concepts get skewed, but the underlying goal is still to set your mindset to perform and be the best version of yourself you can be, who am I to question the ritual? If it's, the, if it's their ritual, if it's the ritual that works for them and it gets them going, it gets them started on their day, go for it so that's why as much as there is a lot of quote-unquote mumbo-jumbo in spirituality doesn't really matter because as long as the effect is there and as long as it works and as long as the the benefit is gained by the individual then why question what they're doing
0: yeah that's super interesting and i guess just emphasizes again that everybody kind of practices spirituality in their own way whether they're going to accept it or not and just because I mean, we all are beings. And I like how you said that at the beginning too, is like, I am. Um, It's just one thing that I think I've always personally struggled with just thinking about like, okay, how did we like show up here on earth? Like, how did I personally get here? What is my goal in life? Like, I'm just kind of here existing. Like, what can I do
1: with it? My answer to that question would be to learn and experience as much as you possibly can while you have the opportunity of occupying this state. So as I mentioned earlier, we're all just energy kind of transferring from one place to another to one form to another. Right now, we are in the form of a human being. We are in the form of a creature that has a mind that is potentially a little too developed for our own good. So we ask a lot of questions and we and we create a lot of problems and we scare ourselves so 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 much because we think so much. If you accept those thoughts as they are, but focus on acting out of your most authentic self your most authentic for your most authentic being then that kind of gets rid of a lot of those problems and you are free to experience experience being a human being as odd as that may sound experience all of the all of the little intricacies the good the bad and i love that about this is the fact that it's never it's never just uh, like daisies and flowers and sunshine you can't truly appreciate those good moments without having those dips and those lows and the, the contrast so experience the contrast love the contrast just instead of asking all of these existential questions be freaking grateful that we're here and we can experience this stuff right like that would, that would be my answer to the, to the whole existentialism question that is a great answer
0: <laughs> i think that was yeah. awesome very insightful so kind of moving forward a bit you had mentioned that you wanted to demystify meditation can you yes. expand on that
1: Yes I think that meditation is in particular a spiritual practice and a spiritual idea that has a lot of misinformation surrounding it because a lot of people don't know why they're doing it they don't know what they are going to get out of it and most people don't even know how to do it um so I'd like to start by asking you what do you think enlightenment is
0: huh. I would say just reaching your own true potential, whatever that means it's, to you.
1: That is an awesome. Yes, that's an awesome, awesome, awesome answer. I'm happy that you didn't go with the whole. I'll open my third eye <laughs> and kind of, it's, no. no, it's 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 very different, and it's not even um, something like eternal happiness. It is literally, if I can, if I can read some of the jot notes that I have without. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So enlightenment is awareness, control of perception identification with your most authentic self, ability to notice thought patterns, reactions, perspectives, ideas, and choosing which of those you would like to believe and which of those you would like to alter. That sounds a whole lot like mindfulness, doesn't it? Yep. Yes. And we discussed this a bit earlier. Meditation was the ancient people's tool and guide to reaching a understanding and a mindful state of being. It was their tool to accomplish mindfulness. It was their computer program within which they played around with the wiring and the network of their brain. So instead of, as most people may think, reaching a state of bliss or happiness or kind of communicating with God or opening your chakras, any of that, what meditation provides you with is it provides you with an internal domain within which you can work on and work through any thoughts, ideas, problems, perspectives you may have. I like to call it an internal domain expansion because with every time you meditate, you quite literally expand the amount of internal space and the amount of ideas you can hold, the amount of um, perspectives you can have. And so various meditative practices would be kind of channels or guides for people to enter into this flow state, into this mental space of clarity, and as I, as I like to describe it as a, a blank slate or a whiteboard, where you kind of have full control to play around with ideas, work through ideas, and you make your own internal safe space within which you can do whatever you want.
0: That's very interesting, especially the blank slate thing. I think that gives me personally like a visual of, I mean, Mm -hmm. I know we talked about this, the whole sitting down and meditating thing, Mm -hmm. but that's just what I picture is this individual sitting down Um. internally, creating their (laughs) little whiteboard to work through. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, going off that traditional thing, I know Mm -hmm. I had mentioned that I personally suck at meditation because I cannot sit still and focus on my thoughts. But you had mentioned to me that meditation does not need to be practiced that way. Yes. So if you want to describe that a little more and just maybe explain some ways that non-traditional meditation can be practiced so I and others can try it out. <laughs> out. And see,
1: fellas, <laughs> I get you. I, um, I actually completely agree with that perspective. I can't sit still. I always need to be moving around. always need to be fidgeting. So that was a challenge that I really encountered um, when I started meditating. But the biggest thing to realize is meditation is a very unique practice. It's a very individual practice. And although there may be these traditional guidelines and ways of going about meditation, that by no means means that they're the only way. The the biggest thing that you need to do is find those underlying principles. So a majority of meditative practices will utilize the five senses. The very first point, sitting still, you do not have to sit still at all. You, the whole point of the body posture and body position is to create a set of physical stimuli in your body for your mind to be occupied. So you're meditating, you're, so we'll start with just the sitting example. You're meditating, you're sitting, you're touching your palms together, your fingers together. You are focusing intensely with all aspects of your mind on the different sensations that you're feeling that does not have to be sitting down. If you feel like doing that body connection and sensing the different physical feelings that you're experiencing, you can do that while running. You can do that while biking. You can do that while stretching, while doing yoga. The purpose of all of these different movement practices is to give your mind something to focus on so that the thought that it's focusing on goes away or flows out. So say I'm meditating, blah, blah, blah. Thought X comes in. The process that I would go about here is I would identify thought X. Okay, it's here. It's in my head. I would immediately accept it, welcome it, goodbye and refocus on the feeling of my fingertips or of my run or of my bike. And once again, once you refocus and once you occupy your mind with the practice, that is where you recreate that blank slate, right? Because the fudge clears out. It's hard to not think about a green elephant when someone tells you don't think about a green elephant. (laughs) So if your mind is occupied by the practice or by the sensation, then the thought clears itself and you restart with that blank slate and restart working again. You don't have to do this uh, through exclusively physical sensation. That is just kind of the most uh, popularized way. You can do this through visual sensation. So if going to your local uh, river or sitting in front of a fire and visually watching how the water flows, how the fire moves and using that as a stimulus you can use uh, visualization of your mind's eye. So as you're doing your breathing exercise, try your best to envision air entering your body and exiting your body. Again, you're not trying to fight off the thoughts. You're not trying to block them. You're not trying to disrespect them in any way. You are welcoming them. They're your thoughts, it's there, it's okay. But you refocus on the practice. Things like incense sticks, again, it just occupies the the senses of the nose it's another avenue for you to create that focus create that pinpoint with which to occupy your mind
0: firstly i think those are all very interesting points that i did not know um i really liked the visual sensation of the breathing because that's mm-hmm. i mean i'm a very visual person so just mm-hmm, imagining mm-hmm. that really helps me mm-hmm. uh, but oh, secondly i just I just wanted to comment on how you said that you're still acknowledging the thoughts that come in, you're not ignoring mm-hmm. them. And I think mm-hmm. that is very related to traditional therapy today. Mm-hmm. Um, practices that- like cognitive behavioral therapy. Yep. That's, that's what why- they're all designed around is acknowledging your thoughts, accepting them, and doing yep. what you want with them.
1: That's why I would argue that belief systems like Zen Buddhism were quite literally ancient people's version of CBT because. The Zen master was their psychologist, and the Zen practice was their um, psychologist's office. It was their safe space where they could work through their issues, work through the perspectives that they didn't want to work through in an unsafe space.
0: And I think a lot of people, me personally, were just like scared to be alone with our thoughts. Mm -hmm, mm Because like, with my history with mental illness and stuff, it's typically a pretty dark space in my head. So sitting there and trying to absorb these thoughts are not personally fun.
1: It's very challenging. And yeah. that's why that's something that I'm trying to kind of promote is the fact that it is very scary and it is a big challenge, but it does not have to be viewed in such a negative, boring light. Because meditation can actually be one incredibly fun because you can customize it and make it your own if you like, like for example I do this goofy thing where I like to meditate inside trees. Like I climb as high as I can and I just sit there and that's kind of where I find my peace. So you don't have like, once again, there's no rigidity that is needed with meditative practice. The point is create that space, find the avenues that you are most comfortable uh, creating that space. And then afterwards, what you do with that space is totally up to you. You can use affirmations to kind of rewrite the dialogue your mind has, reprogram the story your mind has. You can work through scenarios. If, say, you are anxious about event X, you can do some personal exposure therapy in your meditative space. You can work on your homework in your meditative space. The point is, is it's quite literally your domain in which you be and do whatever you want.
0: Putting you on the spot here again, I know you had <laughs> mentioned that you also enjoy biking for long periods mm-hmm. of time and meditate mm-hmm. while you do that. Yes. How, what does that kind of look
1: like? Um, Pretty much, I go on my bike, ride right? And... The goal, obviously, is the bike riding to try to get the physical exercise. But at the same time, it is my favorite physical stimulus because it provides me with a lot of different things to focus on. I have to obviously pay attention to the road. I have to pay attention to my body, and so I can channel my focus and that pinpoint for occupying your mind. I can channel it onto my surroundings. Oh, there's a pretty tree. I wanna, I wanna clear my head. Boom. Oh, there's. I wanna focus on my breathing right now. Oh, I wanna focus on my body right now oh, I want to take a stop and sit by a river over here and um, kind of process some of these thoughts in a calmer environment, right? So it doesn't have to be biking. It could be running. It could be whatever whatever activity you like, but it's just these are the stimuli that I find that I'm able to grasp onto the easiest, if that makes sense.
0: And this is a bit of a personal question, but are you typically listening to music while you do this or nothing? Or like...
1: Depends. It, it depends. It depends. <laughs> yeah. um, if the focus is more so the exercise then I'm listening to music, if the focus is more so meditation, then I just sit with my thoughts. Say I'm on my bike ride and I start thinking through a potentially traumatic experience, right? Hypothetically, I started thinking through something that happened. I'm working through it. I'm working through it. I'm working through it. And then boom, I hit a, I hit the block. I hit a blockade where I have, I have done my job. I don't want to go any further because I know that I'm going to get too triggered, too upset, et cetera, et cetera. At that point is when I go full meditation mode. And that's where I occupy myself completely. I enroll myself with the bike ride to the point that I try to feel every little bit of my body. I try to breathe as intently as possible. The mind clears. You restart at that blank space and start again and work up to that point. And hopefully that that point of blockage is a little bit further next time and a little bit further next time. And you're able to process a little more of the situation, a little more of the situation.
0: Very interesting.
1: Mm. Biking is also just fun. (laughs)
0: Yeah, (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Um, so I think this has all been very informative so far. So can you give some tips to beginners or people who have an open mind towards practicing meditation? Like where should we start? And what are some things that we should be paying attention to?
1: The very first thing I would say is pay attention. And that's that that may sound a a little cliche or cheesy, but quite literally, like, Especially if you've never done something like this and you've never done any form of therapy or working with your mindsets, working with your brain before, your brain probably won't cooperate right away. So the best thing from my perspective was when I first started was just simply paying attention, noticing sensations in my body, noticing associations between these sensations and various thoughts that I have, noticing patterns in my mindsets, literally just at the very start, you don't have to do much. You just have to observe. And that is where I would tell people to start first. A lot of people go into the meditation thinking that they have to accomplish something or thinking that they have to come out of the meditation with something. That in and of itself is a misconception. You meditate simply to meditate. Start by just doing that. Start by just practicing observation and noticing patterns. Because eventually, eventually, as you observe your patterns and as you observe kind of how your mind map is laid out and what triggers lead to what other triggers, then that's when you start to notice, huh, there's this pattern where... I seem to always react with a very adverse reaction to my father. I wonder why that started. And then you find out why that started. And then you think, hmm, I don't really want to have this reaction anymore. This is rather outdated. I'm not going to do this anymore. And then you can choose for yourself to take an alternate route. And then once you kind of have a grasp of these patterns, and once you have an understanding of, say, some of your triggers, that's when you can start implementing your own agency and working in your whiteboard to actually make alterations to the story that goes on up here. Realistically, a lot of the perceptions, a lot of the ideas, a lot of the thoughts we have about ourselves are not actually our own. There are things we've learned, they're experiential ideas, they're things someone said to us, they're X, Y, Z, they came from source X, Y, Z. What meditation can allow you to do is to identify those. So the first step that I would say to anyone that's trying to begin meditating, just pay attention and just observe as much as you can. And then take steps from there in whatever direction you feel like you want to go. The biggest tip I would say is experiment. Um, obviously, like, do some research into, like, the traditional stuff, but use your five senses and play around with them. It's, once again, it's your body. Everyone's experience, everyone's perception, everyone's, everyone's approach will be very, very unique and very different. So I would say experiment with your body. Experiment with different techniques. Experiment with what makes you comfortable. Experiment with what makes you uncomfortable. If you want to practice being uncomfortable, throw yourself into that discomfort zone like meditation doesn't have to just be used to calm down it can also be used to push yourself past limits that you never thought you could push yourself so once again the very first tip is find what works for you and that's a very freaking broad tip but like just experiment try different stuff try different practices try seeing what works for you but at the core just observe and pay attention
0: You know, and like, although it's broad, I think it's also quite clear, like you don't Mm -hmm, have to mm -hmm. follow any traditional paths Mm -hmm, or whatever people assume meditation or spirituality is. Yeah, just whatever Mm -hmm. makes your mind, your body, your spirit feel good. Go for Mm -hmm. it. And don't let anybody (laughs) tell you different. Yes. Agreed. Um, so I know we talked a lot about meditation, but besides that, how else would you describe, or how else do you practice your spirituality?
1: Um, I have two points for this question. Uh, the first point is understanding the importance of connection with nature. Um, that is something that I really specifically enjoy about Zen Buddhism as well. Is Zen Buddhist teachings often come from observing nature and come from the lessons that we can take from our environment because we are intrinsically connected with our environment and we are always a part of it i think it is very important for people as cheesy as it sounds to get out and about go for a hike go into the your local forest go to your local park just allow yourself to be in your environment to connect with the nature connect with your external world because maybe there is there is no concrete scientific backing but it is wonderful for you so do it (laughs) the second point about spirituality is that i think is actually often not brought up is the goal and idea of pushing yourself and challenging yourself outside of your comfort zone so whether that be overcoming an anxious barrier that you have whether that be overcoming an avoidance behavior that you have whether that be making the decision to dive into your own perspectives and see where and what needs adjustment none of these things are comfortable Here's the of the thing. Nothing about a spiritual awakening is actually all that pleasant. It really kind of sucks. It's a lot of you thinking you're quite literally insane because you come to realize that 50% to 90% of the thoughts that you have aren't yours. And that is where the interesting part of spirituality comes in. Because once you're pushed out of that comfort zone, then you can get to work. Once you're pushed out of any comfort zone, then you can grow. Then you can develop. Then you can learn how to... Push yourself even further and surpass these limits and even ideas of attachment to the belief of limits. I think that that is a very big problem is that people have so much self doubt and self destructive ideas and perspectives. And I think a lot of these spiritual fundamentals seek to directly change those negative perspectives and those doubts so that people believe in themselves. They believe in their being. They believe that they are capable because they are and you are. It's just there is so much. Clouded, dark clutter that shifts our perspective to the negative and that shifts our perspective to the I can't rather than the I can. So I think spirituality is pushing yourself past those perspectives and pushing yourself to grow, develop, and ultimately make the world a better place and make yourself a better being in that world.
0: That is a really great answer and kind of a transition into the next question because. I think I wanted to also talk about like spirituality at the core. What is it really trying to change or how can we truly, truly benefit from it? And I think that's around our mindsets and perspectives. So your Instagram handle is at Conscious Realms. Can you just give some insight towards what this means and maybe talk about some of what you personally think are the most important themes out of what you have on your pictures and captions?
1: Um, the idea behind Conscious Realms came from my personal struggles with authenticity um, and with understanding authenticity. And most importantly, with making the decision to remove the various masks that I would wear in social situations around France, et cetera, et cetera, and to accept myself. The way that I like to view people is as individual conscious realm. We are each our own individual universe, our own galaxy, our own amalgamation of ideas, perspectives, troubles, attributes, positive and negative. We are all, as I call, conscious realms. We're just beings of consciousness. And I love understanding the interactions of these conscious realms with themselves and with others. With the uh, trigger words that I use in my posts a lot, I uh, why I started doing that is because I don't want to force feed people information. Kind of similar to like how you're, you're writing a multiple choice test, right? And you're reading the, the question, you read a word and boom, the answer just pops in your head. Oh, I know what this is about. So I kind of wanted to use that concept with my posts where it's just one trigger word. And I have an image going with it, and I would like the people to create their own interpretation of it and their own ideas. Because spirituality is unique and it's individual. And each individual conscious realm will take their own message from the image, the word, the picture. Uh, A lot of the themes that I try to present are themes of growth and overcoming your limits, being better than you were yesterday, finding ways to develop yourself.
0: I didn't know that that's why you did it, actually, how you had the trigger oh. word and then the picture that oh. way we can like form our own yeah, I guess, which is super interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just yeah, one yeah, that you had yeah, with yeah. the trigger word being "rise," and it was a sunrise. Yes, um, yes, yes. <laughs> and I remember when I first saw that, I had thought about that. When I saw the picture, I like formed this perspective on my own, and then I proceeded to read your caption, whatever, and it was just interesting, the way that like my brain made those connections. So that's really mm-hmm. cool that you said that.
1: Thank you. A big part of the the Instagram also came in the form of me practicing authentic expression. Authenticity is a big focus point for most of the stuff that I'm doing because I came to realize that most of my life I wore masks and I completely would hide my actual authentic self in order to protect it, in order to, I don't know. I don't know what it is. So sorry if I was an anxious mess on this podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. I think <laughs> you've come such a long way with your Instagram and your TikTok and the message you so you're you well. which you is why I wanted you. to have. Thank you, which is why I wanted to have you on to uh, spread these messages that you are trying to put out there because I think they're
1: super important. Ooh, um, if I could give one last point on the on the Instagram, kind of mm-hmm. the whole main idea behind it is the phrase "create your reality." That is because I believe that our world is created through our perceptions. It's created through the stimulus that we receive and how it's processed. So if you can't control the stimulus that you receive, you have to control how it is processed. And that's where the internal dynamic of the conscious realm comes in. I would like to fully get my conscious realm in a position where I'm interacting with the world and I'm living my ideal lifestyle. I think that is everyone's role for their internal conscious realm. And then the next step is how my conscious realm interacts with everyone else's conscious realm. And that's the next step of this whole life.
0: So you did kind of touch on the authenticity stuff, but Mm -hmm. how have you personally benefited from meditation, other wellness activities, and any perspective changes that these practices have given you? Um,
1: Well, first of all, a year ago, I would not be able to do this period. Second of all, a year ago, I was a neurotic of just negative perspectives, very self-destructive, a lot of unsettled negativity and a lot of unsettled negativity coming from a source that I did not understand. I was constantly looking for the external source of it. I was constantly trying to fix things on the outside. But I came to realize that through meditation and through working through these practices and through kind of understanding these top of these ideas, I learned that the focus point on where adjustment needs to happen is not external it is internal and it is in this meditative internal domain that i find myself able to work on these internal issues best because it is my safe space it is where i like that's kind of the purpose of why i started meditation was to find a way to create the space safe space where i could work on these issues so in terms of restructuring my mindset in terms of changing my perspectives to the better in terms of freeing myself from the mount everest of limitations that i had created for myself has been the biggest benefit of meditation because it gave me a platform within which i could mold and shape and change and work through all of those negative self-destructive perspectives and that's not to say that they just And they disappear. It would be lovely if it was that simple. But sadly, it is, like most things, a very long process. And you have to love the process as well. Where it's that tiny little daily incremental growth where you're going up, 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 up. And sometimes it goes all the way down. And then you go back to going up, 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 up. And just meditation provided me with the ability to take control over my perception. That's what I would say. If I could sum up that ramble in one sentence is meditation allowed me to take agency over my mind to learn and understand how it works and to finally come close to befriending it and getting me and this thing on the same page and working together and stuff so it's really awesome it has helped me wonderfully and there's still a bajillion miles to go on the journey and I'm super excited for it
0: that is incredible and I think You don't really ever hear about these like kind of like therapeutic experiences from Mm -hmm. meditation and spirituality and how you were person A a year ago. And Mm -hmm. now after all Mm -hmm. this, Mm -hmm. I mean, positive and negative days, you are now a slightly different version of person A in a much more positive light, I would say. I completely
1: agree. (laughs) I completely agree. And I think spirituality helps us lose the attachment to person A, to our identity of person A, to our identity of I am this, 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 because of this, 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 because of X, Y, Z. Spirituality kind of frees you from those perspectives because of the focus on detachment and the focus of kind of identifying through being rather than through the mind. And a big idea in Buddhist spirituality, Toltec spirituality in particular, is they focus a big emphasis on change and on death. I believe that in order for, as you said, I would slightly tweak the the statement that you made. I was person A, and then I was person B, and then I was person C, and then I was person D. And with each of these incremental shifts and changes and new versions of myself, how that occurs, how that shift happens is you have to let go of something. You have to let go of version A, of the attachments of version A, of the perspectives of version A. You have to free yourself figuratively kill the thing, kill version A, and start anew. Similar to the blank slate idea, if your thought spiral is going too far, just clear it, start a blank slate. Same thing here. It's not that you're starting a blank slate, you've grown and you've evolved and you're on a new level, you're on a different tier, so to speak, but you're still, you identify with your being rather than with person A, with person B, with person C, with these identities. You are identified at the core with yourself and you work through that, you work as yourself, guiding your experience through these version a b c
0: wow (laughs) i'm like learning so much i'm so happy i'm so happy to
1: hear that (laughs) I'm, i'm very happy that i could uh share some interesting ideas and stuff
0: you definitely have so what is one of the most important lessons i guess that you've learned along your spiritual journey
1: be authentic be yourself Stop trying to fit in. Stop trying to please other people. Stop trying to be a part of a group. Personal identity, group identity, all of these things are very, very, very important for the psyche, for your well-being, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not saying cut off your friends, be a loner, go live in the mountains. No. (laughs) I'm saying try your best to, in every situation, act out of your most honest, most authentic self. And I'm still learning how to define that. I'm still in the process of understanding what that means entirely, but I think it means to free yourself from the limitations that you have set for yourself, to embrace yourself and accept yourself entirely, because that's the only way that you can make alteration or change, and to love yourself from start to freaking finish like that's another concept that I'm still trying to figure out this whole idea of self-love and it's interesting but it is an absolute foundational core that has to be there be authentic be yourself love the living heck out of yourself and try to experience as much as you possibly can amazing
0: and I know you also wanted to talk about like starting your day strong
1: Oh, yes, he yes, said, yes. I really <laughs> like that idea. I really like, um, you bring this concept up a lot where it's starting your day by, say, making a bed or starting your day and building that momentum from action XYZ. What, what, some people may have a different habit. Some people like to, like, I like to start my day right away with a cup of water and like a walk and a meditation, right? Regardless, if, if the very first thing that you do in your day is you take agency for yourself, you set a task, you kill it and you move on to the next thing then you've already broken that inertia. You've already broken that extra weight and gravitational pull that's holding you down because you're just starting fresh. You're starting at a blank slate. So do that little task. And then you've done that little task. So you already have a little bit of a mental boost. You're already feeling good. You're feeling ready. And then you do the next task. And then you do the next task. For me personally, I find that just physical action and just um, task accomplishment, it's a start. It's a good step, but it's not enough. So that is why I like to personally start my day with affirmations. Say you're in your blank slate, your mind just keeps writing a story that you just really don't like. Like, I'm going to mess up thing X. Well, with affirmation practices, what you're able to do is habitually recondition yourself to believing a different story. Not I'm going to mess up thing X, but I'm going to absolutely kill it. I'm going to pass with flying colors. I blah, blah, blah. I am this. I am that. And when you start your day, whether it be. Affirmations, meditation, exercise, make your bed, have a good breakfast. When you start your day strong and you start your day with that kick-starting push forward, every other task afterwards becomes so much easier and becomes so much more graspable, tangible, because you've got your momentum going. You're killing it. You're you're in a good groove. You're in a good flow. So yeah, I really, I really, really do enjoy those ideas, and I like that you bring them up and promote them. And- Um, present them in a very tangible way rather than not just oh you gotta do something you gotta you gotta go no like actually like here's the steps you can do this 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 and you're gonna be feeling a lot better
0: yeah i think daily habits are super important and and negative yeah yeah and a negative Mm -hmm. pattern that I usually fall into like if I have nothing to do that day I will roll over wake up grab my phone and sit in bed on my phone for (laughs) way too many hours um and that's what I was thinking of while you were talking because I think if you don't grab your phone right away but instead you get up and you go drink a glass of water or you go Mm -hmm. outside get some fresh air that can change Mm -hmm. the entire course of your day pretty
1: pretty much yeah it can change the entire course of your day it's It takes agency away from your phone, and it gives the agency to you, where you are taking control. You're you're saying no. I have this habit. No, I accept that I have this habit, but I'm changing. Instead, I'm going to do this. And once again, it's not going to happen like this, but slowly over a week, over a couple weeks, over a month, that habit will shift. And through habit, you can you can change anything about yourself. I think.
0: Yeah. And it's not an easy thing to do. Like if I have nothing to do that day, I don't want to get out of bed. Like I'm no. not, neither of us are like, we're not these superhumans who are like, yes, mindset, positivity, everything. Like, no, if I wake up, there are I'm days that move, Like, stop, but... I'm not moving. Yeah. I'm going to sit there on my mm-hmm. phone, not do yeah. anything. Yeah. But I think that just shows that some days you might have to work a little bit harder to push yourself yeah. to create yeah, those habits. But then again, also, it doesn't have to be an everyday thing. Like if you need a day off, a day off is fine.
1: (laughs) It's about finding your personal kind of your own self-care balance where obviously you want to push yourself. You want to try to grow and develop. But at the same time, going back to rule four from the Toltecs, if your best at that current moment, if there's a lot of life stresses, if, if something happened, your best will not be 100%. Your best may be 75. But in that 75, do your best. Do whatever you can for that day. If whatever you can for that day is simply surviving the day and being in your bed and getting through, that's okay. That's it was one of those days. But then the next day, try to do a little bit more. Try to push yourself a little bit past that existing threshold. Little by little, it's it's always like you step a little bit forward and then a little bit back, and a little bit forward and a little bit back, and and that's very very normal with this stuff. Like for example, like. Say a week ago, I had a terrible week. I was all over the place. I couldn't get anything done. I, I was a complete, like, antisocial mess. But this week has started. Monday happened. Tuesday happened. Wednesday happened. The week is going. The momentum is building. I'm getting, you know, and you pick yourself up. That's what, that's what spirituality, I think, is all about. Life will happen regardless whether you try to control it or not. Spirituality is how you can pick yourself up, change your perspective, brush your shoulders off, and keep going.
0: I think that's an amazing way to wrap this up. Did you have nice. anything else you wanted to add before I like do a
1: conclusion or? If I could um, ask uh, the viewers of this wonderful podcast to support another organization, um, I would love to give a shout out to the Polished Man Movement. Uh, their Instagram is at polished man. They are an organization which tries to bring awareness for uh, violence against children and kind of try to create programs funding and opportunities for children who have experienced this to get the help that they need and to ultimately prevent this from happening in general so yeah that's my piece
0: (laughs) perfect i'll definitely tag that in the description um but yeah thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast i personally have learned so much and it's nice to hear these like new youth perspectives on these old ancient beliefs because it makes it so much more applicable to our daily lives Mm -hmm. and allows us to do what we want with it like whatever works for us whatever allows us to really become our true most authentic self like you said Mm -hmm. yeah i think this is awesome and i think i'm gonna go do some yoga now maybe (laughs) maybe try to incorporate some meditation (laughs) yeah that's gonna be my night So thank you so, so much. Thanks
1: you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure to chat. I have learned so much from this experience and I look forward to hopefully having another episode in the future.
0: Amazing. Thank you. I genuinely learned so much from that conversation. It was really nice to hear those cultural and historical backgrounds to help me personally understand where these practices came from why they were actually started in the first place, and how they've evolved over time. Even if you don't necessarily identify or associate yourself with anything of a spiritual nature, there is something in these beliefs, cores, perspectives, practices that every single individual can take something from. And I know I've said before, meditation is just not for me, no matter how much I've tried. And Daniel's going to be mad at me for saying this. But I think I practice a form of meditation in different ways. And honestly, I always thought meditation had to be sitting down. And it was actually really refreshing to hear Daniel talk about how he practices meditation or mindfulness, like on a bike ride or while he's standing up. And I think for me, someone who is highly anxious and has a lot of thoughts to process It kind of felt like that information gave me permission to analyze those thoughts in whatever way works for me. I typically just have a lot of distractions. And I think moving forward, his simple tip of just paying attention is something that can go a really long way. And I know next time I go on a walk or try to do a yoga practice... I'm going to make sure that I am disconnected from everyone and everything except for my own body, and I'm really going to try to pay attention to what's going on in my mind and try that blank slate thing. You see a thought come in, you can analyze it, do what you want with it, and then let it go. Whatever it is, every single thought, situation, feeling is an opportunity for us to learn grow, and make whatever changes we need in order to better ourselves and our lives. That's my little wisdom of the day. (laughs) Take it with a grain of salt. I don't know. But honestly, I think there's a lot of truth and validity to these practices, whether you believe in them or not. Look at the core of what they're trying to preach and take what you want from it. The end. Thank you for listening to another episode of TRM. If you're not following me on Instagram and TikTok, please do so at The Revolutionized Mind. Please also be sure to follow Daniel's spiritual account on Instagram at Conscious Realms. And I will see you all next week. Bye for now.